I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of Badger, a company that produces all-natural organic body care products, including lip balms, oils, soaps, and sunscreens. The company is based in rural New Hampshire and was founded in 1995. Bill, where did you grow up? I grew up in Long Island, New York. What did your parents do? My parents were both uh, postal workers. My dad was a letter carrier. My mom was a clerk. Most of my cousins worked in the post office, and I was a letter carrier for three years. And what were your ambitions? Did you think that you would also uh, be an employee of the U.S. postal system? <laughs> uh, I thought I wouldn't be. <laughs> I, I thought that I would do something different. What were some of the things that you thought you might be? I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to sort of reverse that. I I was talking to my wife recently, and we were driving along, and I said, "Wow, I could have been a cab driver. I was a cab driver mm-hmm. on Long Island, and I thought I could have been a cab driver. And look what's happened. It's so, you know, a strange twist of fate. And you end up something different than you thought you might have been. And I thought if I had ended up a, a cab driver, I'd be a cab driver that people would want to ride with. Hmm. Why is that? Why would people want to ride with you? Um. I'm a nice guy. You live in Gilsom, New Hampshire. Yes. How did you make your way from Long Island, New York, to rural Gilsom, New Hampshire? Uh, interesting. In I got out of the Army in 1970, and I think I was a little bit of a lost soul, and I ended up uh, really liking to hike or just go out in the wilderness. And so I ended up uh, hitchhiking up to the White Mountains and spending time there and then passing through Boston on the way back to Long Island, and I ended up moving to Boston and working in a restaurant, and then from there I moved up to New Hampshire, I guess because I like the the lifestyle and the countryside, and I just like New Hampshire. You mentioned you were in the military. What did you do in the military? As a combat soldier in Vietnam, mm-hmm. combat infantryman in Vietnam, and my experience was um, I was a Buddhist combat infantry, infantryman in B- Vietnam, and that I I evolved in my year there to understand that there really was no difference, that the people that we were fighting were actually not the enemy. They were soccer players and artists and cooks and nurses and moms and sisters. And it was um, it was heartrending to me to think that, you know, I was in that, that environment. When you were in combat, how did you see each person as an individual? There was actually uh, uh, a letter was found on a, a body of someone that was killed, uh, Vietnamese that was killed, and it was translated. And one side was a gro- grocery list, and the other side it said, I'm a woman with a husband and children. I love them, and I don't know what will become of our lives. My feeling was, I hope I don't hurt someone, and if someone hurts me, that I know it's not out of malice. It's uh, circumstances. And you mentioned that you were a bit of a lost soul. Did you feel like you were kind of nomadic professionally until you found Badger? Or how did you feel about your profession prior to starting Badger? Well, I I eventually gravitated to being a carpenter, and I loved doing that. So I wasn't a lost soul anymore. I think I stopped being a lost soul probably when I met my wife and had kids. But I, before that, I was a little, a, little uh, a wanderer. 
How did you meet Katie, your wife, who who is very active in the business with you? Well, a part of my migrations, I moved when I moved to Boston, I met some people who had a farm in New Hampshire called Another Place, and they put on conferences. It was an alternative conference center. So I said, I can put on a healing arts fair. What's that? Well, healing arts fair would be a celebration of different modes of healing, um, massage or... Um, chiropractic or different kinds of you know music therapy or things like that. So I, I put on the New England Healing Arts Fair for about three years, and Katie came to one of those um, weekends, and we fell in love. Now, you are an herbalist uh, as an avocation. How did you discover the herbal life? See, I think, I think destiny, or I think time works backwards. And what I mean by that is when you do a biography, uh, you'll say, well, this person became a great ball player because when they were younger, they were given a bat when they were seven years old, and then they went to summer camp and they practiced really hard and became this great ball player. The biographies never ask the question, well, what about the 100,000 other kids who had the same background, didn't become this great ball player? So I, I think that I always had a uh, an attraction for plants, even when I was a little kid. I used to love honeysuckles and those, you know, little sour sorrel. I just really liked plants. And so I think that was a part of how I was drawn to that. But when I was working in Boston, at one point, I was working in a natural food store where there was a a whole bank of herbs and books on herbs. So I started reading them and somebody said, they could parachute you into an abandoned lot in Boston and you could survive because I knew all the herbs at that point in time. And I used to make herbal teas and compresses and so on. So I've always had a love for that kind of thing. How close were your parents to this all-natural herbal life living on Long Island and working in the in the postal service? It was actually a contrast because all of my neighbors were old country Italians. My, my dad was uh, Irish Catholic. My mom was an Austrian Jew. So they were a funny kind of a combination, especially in those days. But we had a lawn and everybody else had gardens, beautiful gardens and One of my early learning experiences, I was told, don't go in the Parziel's garden. And I was about four years old, and I crawled over into the garden one day. I wasn't supposed to, but it was really, really hot. And I got between the rows, and the soil smelled good. And I turned over on my back, and the leaves were green. And the sky, I remember, was bluer than I'd ever seen the sky before. And then I saw this big fire engine red, long, what I thought was a fruit. Mm. And so I picked that, and then I think I had an out-of-body experience because the next thing I know is at the back door yelling, it burns, it burns, and I thought it was on fire, and I had stolen a hot pepper. And so I think I got over stealing at an early age. <laughs> do, you, do you like hot peppers? Do you love, like, love, do you... love hot peppers now. Hmm. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of Badger, a company that produces organic body care products. Your professional life is dedicated to carpentry. So how did Badger happen? Well, uh, my fingers used to split and crack in the wintertime. And one winter, it was worse than ever. It was awful, awful, awful. It was uncomfortable just to pick up a hammer. And so one night I was lying in bed with olive oil-soaked socks covered in plastic bags. I thought maybe that would help. And the plastic bags were crinkling, and Katie turned to me, and she said, that's pathetic. You can do better than that. (laughs) So I started tinkering around and eventually made something that healed my fingers. And I thought, wow, I could sell this in the lumberyards. So that was the 
genesis of the idea for Badger, but it was about three years before I actually had uh, one product, Badger Healing Balm, relief for hardworking hands, and uh, the packaging for it and the whole the whole thing. Hmm. What were the ingredients? Well, the ingredients originally were olive oil and beeswax. I thought, this is great. It's so simple, and it works. And the first one I made had the consistency of a hockey puck. I could have gone into a hockey puck business, but eventually I got the consistency right. And we had this gal and her son living in an apartment in our house, and the boy came down. He was probably nine years old, I think. Garrick Teague, I think his name was. And... um, And he looked at my packaging. This was the mock-up packaging. And he turned it over and he looked at the ingredients. And he said, you don't have enough ingredients. I said, no, I have enough ingredients. Olive oil and beeswax, it's perfect. He goes, you don't have enough ingredients for marketing purposes. This is a nine-year-old. Yeah. And I said, you're like a kid. What do you know about marketing? What do you expect me to do, change the ingredients for marketing purposes? I would never stoop so low. (laughs) And then um, a few weeks later, I was ready to have the tins printed up. And I looked at it, I thought, I need more ingredients. <laughs> and so I started tinkering again with the formula, and I, and I think I improved it in part because this little kid humiliated me with lack of ingredients. But eventually we added castor oil, which is a wonderful, wonderful healing oil, aloe vera extract, which is really good for damaged dry skin, and uh, essential oil of sweet birch. Most of your ingredients are botanical. They're edible. And you mentioned castor oil. I remember taking castor oil when I wanted uh, to uh, go into labor because I was so-called late. uh, And it was the worst thing I've ever (laughs) tasted in my life. I have a horrible memory from it. And I guess it is edible, but it doesn't necessarily taste good. (laughs) So you discovered this balm for your hands and, and your feet. And you said it wasn't until three years later that you decided to really make a go of this as a full-fledged company, um, did you then leave your job or talk to me about that transition? No, I didn't didn't decide three years later. I decided I wanted to do it, but I'm really, really slow and I tend to be a perfectionist. So I kept tinkering around with the artwork and with the packaging and with the idea, but at a certain point I actually had to do something. And that's where Katie has been Uh, vitally important because I'm somebody who will take forever to get something done because it needs to be perfect and nothing will ever be perfect. Whereas Katie is a uh, personality type, is field marshal general. She wants to get it started, get it done. I'm an idealist champion. I like to, you know, envision things and, you know, imagine utopias. Uh, But what happened was there was a point where I had really beautiful packaging and I had an option. I could get 20 or 30 generic tins, put a label top and bottom, and do a little market survey. But they wouldn't look as good as if I bought 10,000 tins because those would be painted. Katie said, if you're going to do it, do it right. Get the 10,000 tins, make it look right, make it work. So it was really the tins that that tilted the scales towards actually making a go of this in a more serious way than just kind of tinkering. Well, I mean, certainly it motivated me because I didn't want to drive around with 10,000 tins in the back of my van for the rest of my life. When did you start um, having enough income where you were able to support your family with this new company? Well, in October of 1995, I was still doing carpentry full-time, and I was making badger. And so I would work all day, and then at night I would fill tins, and on the weekend I'd go out and sell it. And one of the things I prided myself on when I was a carpenter was I did what I said I was going to do. 
and I was starting to do th two things poorly instead of one thing well. So I was excited about Badger, and I was uh, not as diligent with my carpentry work. Plus, I wasn't getting a real lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, after three months of doing that, in December of 95, I had to make a decision. I talked with Katie, and we came up with, let's go for it. So I quit doing carpentry. I finished up the last of my jobs, and I sort of made a business plan. It was a one-page business plan. It was essentially go like heck until you hit break-even, and uh, don't get rid of your carpentry tools <laughs> just in case. Mm -hmm. But I started doing it full-time, and within six months, I actually was making marginally enough money for us to survive, which I would call break-even. Mm -hmm. And how much money is, was that? I don't know, like enough to buy food and gas <laughs> yeah. and pay my rent. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of the all-natural body care products company, Badger. We'll hear more from Bill coming up. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of Badger, a company that produces all-natural organic body care products, including lip balms, oils, soaps, and sunscreens. The company is based in rural New Hampshire and was founded in 1995. How much money did you put into this this initiative initially? Well, I was at a job. I had very little money. I had inherited $1,500, which tell, tells you how much money my uh, relatives had to bequeath. But um, And I put that into this. And then I was at a job site, actually, and the drawings of the Badger Bomb stuff fell on the deck, and I picked it up, and Heidi, who I was going to build a deck for, I built her house. She looked at it. She said, what's that? And as I was explaining the idea for the business, she got this twinkle in her eye, and I said, Heidi, forget the deck. Why don't you give me $3,000 for my business? And she said, okay. So I didn't build the deck. She loaned me $3,000, and I started the business. But the more I sold, the more I was out of money, which I had read, but I didn't really believe. And so I kept borrowing money from friends, and I borrowed, uh, I think, a total of $30,000 from friends that year. And then I went to the bank, and the bank said, Bill, you don't have a credit history. And I said, well, I don't have bad credit. And they said, it's like you dropped in from outer space. You would be better with bad credit than no credit at all. <laughs> we can't give you a loan because there's no credit history. And so I got a friend who was pretty wealthy to co-sign for a loan and got the bank to agree that at the end of the year, after I had paid them back, they would take the co-signer off and let me get my own uh, credit line. So I had borrowed 60000 that first year, and I ended up selling $125,000 worth in one full year, which is pretty good with one tin at, you know, four bucks a pop. Now, for city folk, uh, a badger is a burrow animal. Uh, you, you just gave me a look. Is that uh, incorrect? I'm I'm a city girl. No, no, they are burrowing. I, I think I'm not really a country girl. I have been for a long time. There are no badgers in New Hampshire. I was going to call it bear paw, B-E-A-R, paw, P-A-W. And I thought, well, it's for your hands, so that's kind of cool. And I was going to sell it in hardware stores, so a paw print would be perfect. And I had that, and I did a federal trademark search. But one day, actually the day before the tins were going to be printed, I already had the plates made. And I walked into the lumber yard and Jody came out of the back and showed me a tube of bear paws hand cream that somebody else made. Mm 
Mm. And they had common law rights to the name, so I was crushed. And I actually called this person and I said, can you give me a letter telling me I can use that name? He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I have to protect my own product. And I said, would you like to buy my artwork? It's really nice. and I've done a lot of work. And he said, no, I'm not interested. So I actually put my mocked-up tin under the pillow and I slept on it. When I woke up the next morning, I thought, the universe wants a different name. And uh, a few weeks later, the idea came to me. I should call it Badger. And I had an artist draw up a badger paw print, and I brought this new mocked-up tin badger uh, healing balm relief for hardworking hands. I brought it to work, and Rick, who I've worked with for years, I still work with Rick, he looked at it and he said, a bear paw print is round and friendly looking. A badger paw print is medieval and skeletal looking. It looks like <laughs> a weapon. It's actually frightening. Nobody will buy that stuff. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what will I do? And he said, you need to get an artist to draw a picture of a badger. And I said, I can't afford to do that. And Rick kind of like looked at me, shook his head and turned and walked away. And he looked over his shoulder and he said, well, nobody's going to buy that stuff. And so I got an artist to draw a picture of a badger. And that's how it came to be, not bear paw with a paw print, but badger with the drawing of a badger on the cover. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, the founder of Badger, an all-natural body care products company located in New Hampshire. Were there other products that you looked to as, you know, kind of role models for what you wanted Badger to be? Not not really. I I thought about Tabasco sauce because people would say, well, what other products are you going to have? And keep in mind, we have about 70 products now. And I said, no, I'm not going to have other products. This is going to be a one-product company, mm-hmm. and I'm going to sell this wherever there are carpenters mm-hmm. in northern climates all over the country. That was my idea. Uh, and it turned out that people would call, and they'd say things like, it says for hardworking hands, but I used it on my baby's rash, and it works really good. Is that okay? And I'd say, oh, sure, it's all edible ingredients. And then I thought, well, actually, people like specific products for specific purposes, and using different essential oils, you can meet those needs. What Badger product are you wearing right now? I have on uh, extra strength sore muscle rub for my separated right shoulder. What is your sore shoulder from? (laughs) It's from Aikido. And the story behind that was when I stopped doing carpentry and started doing Badger, I started to gain weight and I didn't feel as healthy because it wasn't exercising as much. Basically, I was sitting and filling bombs and on the phone and selling. And and so I've done martial arts since I was in my 20s. And I decided to uh, go back to Aikido. I've done kicking and punching arts like um, Taekwondo. Aikido is different. It's not really about striking. And it's, I guess you would call it conflict resolution, the idea of uh, blending with the oncoming force to neutralize it. And that really helps in business. So the example would be if there's uh, some kind of challenge to the business rather than struggling with it and bringing each other down, you find a way to harmonize with the oncoming energy. And I find that mental state invaluable in in business. What is an example of, of your doing that? What is a challenge that rather than trying to hit it away, you actually kind of absorbed it and embraced it? Well, uh, a strange thing happened. I, I had found an artist for the first artwork for Badger, and we agreed upon an amount that I would pay him. It was very reasonable because he knew I didn't have much money. And 
somewhere along the line, I sold the first 10,000 tins, and I called them up. I was really excited, and I said, hey, um, I sold that first 10,000 tins, or almost, and I'm about to get more. And he said, well, you can't get more. I own the artwork. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you didn't execute something called a work made for hire, which means I own the copyright on this artwork, and that if you want to use it again, you're going to have to make me a partner or pay me a large amount of money. And I said, but you knew what the intention was for the artwork. I would say that's immoral. And he said, well, you could say what you want, but that's what you're going to have to do to go forward. So I thought, well, I can't have a person like that as a partner because that's not the kind of person you want to buddy up with. I don't have a lot of money. And I thought about Aikido, and I thought, um, I'll just turn I'll just uh, turn this a little bit. And what I did is I called him back, and I said, Chris, I can come up with $1,000 to give you. I think you've earned that, and you deserve that and you will execute the work paid for hire. And he said, no, I'm talking partnership or big bucks. And I said, if you don't do that, then I'll abandon the artwork and I'll start over again. And you have till tomorrow to make that decision. So he decided to take that rather than have nothing happen. So I had to be willing to let go of the struggle and start over again. Just as you were willing to let go of the struggle for bare paw. That's true. That would be another case of going with, you know, the universe wants something different. Let's go with it. So here you are with your your product that has, it seems, more versatility than you initially thought with people coming to you and saying, hey, can I use this for my, my feet and on my, on my baby's tush? Um, were there any initial turning points that really caused the business to go from, you know, just uh, this one-off product to ultimately 70? Well, the, the first big evolution was I... I went to large accounts. I went to Eastern Mountain Sports that had 70 stores, introduced my product to them. They did a test. They said it was very successful, and they put it in all 70 stores. How were you able to keep up with production given uh, the demand for it? Um, Well, I'm a carpenter, and I'm used to – I've done jobs where I do them on my own or I find a bunch of different people and have five carpenters if it's a larger job. So that's one of the ways I approach this. When the business started to grow – and because I wanted to sleep and I wanted to have a healthy lifestyle and be have time with my kids and with my wife and my garden and so on, um, I hired people. Whenever I saw the need and the ability to do that, I would hire somebody. It seems that you've had a charmed professional life since starting Badger. Um, the demand was there. You had the capital ultimately from the bank and your friends and family. What was more challenging for you than you thought? Or what are some of the dark days that you've had with the company? Well, there have been times when it's been financially really, really difficult, and we've had to let people go. And it's especially difficult for Badger because we run the company uh, more as a family than as a business in a way. We treat people the way we would like to be treated and with kindness and respect, and that makes the best possible business, in my opinion. But you can imagine what it would be like if you have to let someone go because you're, you know, you're dropping like a stone and the economy is not supporting the growth of the business. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of Badger, a company that produces organic body care products, including bombs, oils, and sunscreens. In 2004, you developed a sunscreen for Badger. What was special about that sunscreen? Well, we have a principle. Instead of thinking about a target consumer, I think that's disrespectful to talk in that way, or even doing a market survey, I think it's reasonable to make something for someone you love. So imagine if you were going to produce a product and you were making it for your baby, 
the kind of uh, care and attention you would give to that product. And when you have something that you would be proud to give them, that you feel like it's safe and it's good enough and it'd be a great thing to give them, then you put that out in the world. And in, in the case of the sunscreen, I saw one of the women in, in shipping wearing a sunscreen in the wintertime. And I asked why she was doing that. And she said, well, I've had you know skin problems, skin lesions. And my dermatologist said I need to wear a sunscreen every day, even in the winter. And I looked at the ingredients, and I was kind of appalled. So I started reading about sunscreens, and I found that most of them have lots of chemicals. And I thought, I bet I could make a really pure one. And so I made one that basically uses botanicals, and then the active ingredient is zinc oxide. And so zinc is a mineral, and it's oxidized. It's like rusted or something. But it's a, a mineral that's been used for 300 years in things like diaper creams and calamine lotion. So I thought, well, that will be the safest, most effective sunscreen that you could make. The problem is it won't be the most aesthetic sunscreen in the world because uh, zinc is whitening. And I thought, I'll never sell much of it, but people will use it on their kids and on their babies. And, you know, if they're home or in the garden, they're not worried about the aesthetics. And shortly after you developed the product, the Environmental Working Group uh, published a report saying that your product was the safest on the market. It was rated number one among uh, 750 other competing sunscreens. And the Today Show on NBC uh, picked you up. Talk to me about that. Well, we sold our year's supply out in about two weeks, but uh, <laughs> that was quite quite a boost. We scrambled to produce enough to keep up with the demand, and I thought that would be a one-time event that wouldn't continue, but actually it's continued to the point where we're actually the fastest-growing and best-selling natural sunscreen in the natural products industry. What percent of your revenue comes from your sunscreen? Probably 50%. And then in 2010, you came out with a non-nano sunscreen that had the same ingredients, but the zinc oxide particles were just that, non-nano. What is non-nano? Nano is a, a, a measurement, just like an inch. And so nano particles are very, very small. There have been concerns about them passing the blood-brain barrier in the scale, certainly under a 30 nanometers. So you don't have to freak out if you're using a zinc oxide sunscreen. Most sunscreens use zinc oxide in a larger size, maybe 100 nanometers or maybe 70. It's still wicked small. My daughter, Rebecca, who's the head of product development at Badger, said, let's make a baby sunscreen and let's use the same zinc oxide that's used in diaper cream, the large particle zinc. It's like 6,000 nanometers as opposed to under 100. And she found uh, through high shear mixing, dispersion, homogenizing, and slow paddle mixing over 12 to 24 hours. Whatever all that means. Whatever that means. What it means is you got to jump through a lot of hoops. But if you use the large particle zinc and you mix it really, really well, it's still not very whitening. But you you completely obviate the concern about nanoparticles. When we realized how good it was, we said, well, let's do it with all the sunscreens that we make. And what is the concern? What if the particles do seep into your bloodstream? What, what are people concerned about? Well, the, the idea is when you have zinc oxide, it's a whitening uh, little flakes, kind of a mirror-like, and they can disperse or reflect sunlight. What happens with nanoparticles is they start exhibiting qualities that are different than the material they came from. So if you make zinc small enough, you can't even see it. And so 
that has been understudied. You know, the, their concern is it's so small, will it operate different than zinc does? The concern is that's an unknown, that you've got something that's a wicked small particle in your bloodstream that wasn't there before. Most of the other sunblocks or sunscreens on the market are made of chemicals, whereas yours are made of botanicals. What is the concern regarding the chemical sunscreens? Well, there are two concerns. One, uh, one of the reports that EWG came out with said... EWG being Environmental Working Group. You need a broad-spectrum sunscreen. What that means, it protects against both UVA radiation and UVB radiation. You can think of UVB, B means burns. It's the rays of the sun that will burn you. UVA, think of aging. Uh, That's a different wavelength, but they can also penetrate and potentially uh, cause that kind of free radical production that can result in a cancer. Zinc oxide protects against the full range of UVA and UVB radiation, so it's truly broad spectrum. So that's one concern, is you could be using a sunscreen that's not broad spectrum, protecting yourself from burning, but exposing yourself to the uh, UVA radiation. And therefore, um, potential free radicals in your body. Yes. And then the second concern is that the most used sunscreen uh, active ingredient, the chemical active ingredient, is oxybenzone. And oxybenzone has been shown to be an endocrine disruptor, so it can screw up your hormones. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Bill White, founder of Badger, a company that produces organic body care products. In addition to having all-natural, eco-friendly, responsible products, you run your company in a socially responsible way. And one example of that is your babies at work policy. Tell me more about that. Well, one of the women, Melinda, who worked at Badger, said, could I bring, you know, after I'm done with maternity leave, can I bring my baby to work? And we said, well, let's let's see if that works out. You can as long as the baby's not a screamer and it's not, a, you know, bothering other people. And it worked beautifully. We have a little system. You know, you have to have a couple of backup people. So if you're on the phone or in a meeting, someone can take your baby. And it was not difficult to find backup. I often carried babies. So once we had that, then pretty much almost everybody who could get pregnant did, it seemed like. It must have been <laughs> the water or something. But we had, we've had probably about seven babies at work for varying uh, amounts of time, including my granddaughter, Maya. And it was such a pleasure. And people will ask, well, doesn't that make the mom less efficient? And you would know better than I would. But I think leaving your baby behind and coming back to work really puts a crimp in your efficiency. Having the baby nearby puts a crimp in your efficiency, but your stress level is much lower and you are eternally grateful. And it's good for the baby and it's good for everybody in the community and in the business. Just as you lead an all-natural life in your martial art practice and the products that you use for your body, what is your your diet like? Uh, I try to appreciate and love whatever I eat, and I have the opportunity because I have a garden to eat uh, organically grown food pretty often. Um, Back when we were poor and struggling, we still tried to eat organic. We just ate less or we ate less expensive things. We were vegetarian for a long period of time. Now we eat meat. But basically, I think the principles would be avoid refined flours and sugars, eat organic, uh, eat fresh. Do you have a vice? Is there a go-to food sometimes that might not fit into those perfect categories? Um, I like ice cream a lot. And I think ice cream... For normal people not like me is not a vice at all, but with me, I could easily sit down and just 
pound that ice cream till I fall over. <gasps> what flavor? I love chocolate, but I'd be willing to have vanilla with chocolate sauce on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. My guest has been Bill White, founder of Badger. Coming up, we'll meet Bridge Kathari, founder of Planet Read. I'm Jessica Harris, and this is From Scratch. From Scratch.